0: Good boys and girls two for the podcast monday january 10th brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider that's a virtual privacy network which allows you to go online change your location and access whatever it is you're you're geo-blocked from while also keeping your data safe check out liberty shield.com and use the code epl599 to get 599 off your first month first month for one quid, 6 99 thereafter, but no contract, no long-term commitment. LibertyShield.com, EPL 599 at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the code EPS, use the code EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. Um, busy weekend with the FA Cup, obviously. So let's run through those games and see what fell out. Uh, starting Friday night, Manchester City four, Swindon Town one, Bernardo Silva, Gabriel Jesus, Ilkay Gundigan. And Cole Palmer with the goals. McCirdy with the consolation for Swindon. Uh, City praised by Henry Winter for being so brave as to play this game. Uh, Winter said, play Palmer and the kids. Instead, Pep Guardiola played about £440 million worth of players. With another £60 million on the bench. But never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Henry went on once again to praise them after the game for showing great spirit in the competition. Um, Very straightforward win for City. Great for Swindon to get to host Manchester City. Swindon, obviously, were in the Premier League once. And uh, they're a club I do have a little bit of a soft spot for, a good friend of mine, is a Swindon fan. And while living in the UK, whenever Brighton would be away from home, I used to go and watch Swindon play. And uh, we saw... We saw some good football and we saw some really bad football. Uh, A trip to Bristol Rovers will live long in the memory for some awful football. A cup tie against Crawley in Crawley was uh, a low light as well. But um, yeah, look, Swindon are doing pretty well in League 2 this season, having been relegated from League 1 last year. I I like to keep an eye on them and just make sure they don't end up in non-league. Middlesbrough 3, Mansfield Town 2. A good win for Chris Wilder's men. Wilder's obviously done a very, very good job since taking over at Borough. And they do look like they could potentially be coming back to the Premier League. Thus far in the league, they've had a good turnaround under Chris Wilder. They currently sit seventh. So they're just one spot outside the playoffs. They do have a game in hand on Huddersfield, who are the spot above them, and they're only a point behind Huddersfield. But after a fairly hit and miss beginning to the season that saw Neil Warnock removed on November 6th and Chris Wilder appointed, they have really turned things around. And they do look good value. And Wilder has imprinted his system and his style of play quite quickly. Still a lot of work to do but they've gone from 14th when he took over to 7th with a game in hand on the team's bottom. They have been as high as 5th. It also speaks to how condensed and how competitive the championship is. I mean, the championship is just a mental division. When you consider that Derby are bottom, but if they hadn't had the points taken away, they'd currently be sitting in 14th. When you consider that Huddersfield sits 6th on 40 points and Bristol City are 15th on 30 points, only 10 points separating the playoffs from the bottom half, the middle of the bottom half. It is a crazy, crazy division. And you've seen it as well with Nottingham Forest this year, where a new manager can come in, get a run of wins, and all of a sudden his team are a playoff team. Or on the flip side, you've seen teams in the top four, top five, couple of defeats and all of a sudden, like Coventry City, they sit 10th. It's the reason it's one of the most exciting leagues in the world, because it's so unpredictable. Like right now, Blackburn Rovers sit second in the championship table. Fulham have fallen to third, but Fulham do have two games in hand, admittedly. And if they won those, they would be back on top. But consider that Blackburn started the season quite poorly. And after week 16, which was November 2nd, they were 12th. One defeat took them from 7th to 12th. A win then took them back to 7th, and now they're 2nd. So it, it, it's a, it's just a mental league. And Chris Wilder is doing a very good job at turning things around at Borough. And uh, it'd be nice to see Burr back. Again, a team that I have a soft spot for when they came up into the Premier League for the very first time under Brian Robson and they brought Janino to the Premier League. And they, then they went and they bought Ravinelli and Emerson and Nicky Barnby. And they were just a fun team to to watch. Craig Hignett was there, he was very good. Gianluca Festa arrived. Curtis Fleming played a big part in their success. Chris Morrison, the player I liked. Mark Schwarzer was plucked from Bradford City and obviously went on to have a, a very good career, but I've always had a soft spot for Burra. and obviously my, uh, my producer, Mr Guy Drinkle, is from the Middlesbrough region, so, you know, we'd like to see Burra back in the top flight. Uh, Fulham won Bristol City nil after extra time, a Harry Wilson winner. Uh, Huddersfield 2, Burnley 1, Jay Rodriguez put Burnley 1 up, but Coroma and Pearson gave Huddersfield the win as i mentioned Huddersfield going well in the championship currently in the playoff spots that's probably the first big upset of the weekend i don't know if it's a big upset but you know Huddersfield knocking out premier league opposition in burnley coventry city won derby county nil hyam with the goal dominic hyam derby will be disappointed to go out because a cup run might have been a nice distraction from everything else that's going on there Amazingly, and I genuinely do do say this, amazingly, they're not completely written off this season in the league, despite having had 21 points deducted from them. They're 11 points from safety. Okay? They're 11 points from Reading, and they've played two games more. But remember... In the Championship, you play 46 games. So they've got 21 games left to make up that gap. And Reading have been awful this season. You've also got Cardiff and Hull have been dreadful and could easily get dragged back into it. It seems incredible to say, but despite having 21 points taken off them, Derby County are not dead and buried. Seven wins and 11 draws this season, only seven defeats. If you look at the table, Bournemouth are top, they've lost less. Blackburn are second, they've lost, lost less. Fulham and West Brom, third and fourth, they've lost less. Lost less. Nobody else has lost less games than Derby, other than the top four. That may well change in the second half of the season, but that's impressive. 11 draws is the most in the division. There's a bunch of teams with 7 wins. But their ability to avoid defeat is impressive. I believe they have the 4th best defence in the league. Behind Fulham, West Brom and Bournemouth. A better defensive record than Blackburn. The issue is they can't score goals. So Barnsley have scored less. Peterborough have scored less. Hull have scored less, and Birmingham have scored the same. So bottom five defense, sorry, bottom five attack, top five defense. That's crazy. That really is crazy. But Wayne Rooney's doing quite a good job there, all things considered. And if those points hadn't been taken away and they were sitting in mid-table, I think that would be an overachievement based on all the circumstances around the club. There is a lot of talent at the club. I think Rooney's quite lucky with the squad he has. He's got a lot of leadership. David Marshall, very experienced, been around a long time. Craig Forsyth, he's been around a long time. Phil Jagielka, not many players still around older than him. Richard Stearman's been around a long time. Colin Kazim Richardson, Tom Lawrence. These are all very, very experienced players. Curtis Davies is still knocking about there as well. Then they've got a lot of young talent. Louis Sibley's a player I really like. I really like Jason Knight. I like Lee Buchanan. There's a good blend in this squad. And Rooney is getting every single last bit out of them. And credit to him. Credit to him, considering what he's the, the circumstances under which he's working, that's really impressive. Like Ravel Morrison is a contributing footballer this year. When did you last hear Ravel Morrison being a contributing footballer? He's played 22 games this season. That's the second most he's played since 2012 13, when he played 30 for Birmingham. In fact, it's the third most games in a season of his entire career. That season with Birmingham and the year he spent on loan from Lazio with Atlas in the Liga MX, he played 25 games in all competitions. It's his second most league appearances in his career. Like, it's crazy. Ravel Morrison coming through the Manchester United Academy Him and Pogba were neck and neck. They were the two big prospects. Ravel Morrison was the future of England's midfield. But he was involved in some stuff he shouldn't have been involved in, surrounded with some people that he shouldn't have been surrounded with. And his career has been a a tale of caution. a A cautionary tale made three senior appearances for United, joined West Ham, played 24 times there. The 13-14 season, it looked like he was about to overcome his issues and really stamp himself on the footballing world. But for whatever reason, it didn't work out. He spent half the year on loan with QPR, half the year with West Ham. To be fair, he played 38 games in total that year, so that's actually his career high. I was wrong. That's his career high for a season. 31 league games, 38 in all competitions. That was after the good season with with Birmingham. But then it was all downhill. A bad loan to Cardiff that didn't work out. His contract expired. He went to Lazio. Some promising signs to begin with. And then it just all fell apart. A loan back to QPR, which did not go well. The loan to Atlas did go well. He ended up signing then for... Ostersund in um, Sweden And that didn't go well Came back to England with Sheffield United That didn't go well Was loaned out to Middlesbrough That didn't go well Spent last season with ADO Den Haag In the Dutch league That didn't go well Uh, But this is working for him This is working for him at Derby Under Rooney, a manager that knows him A guy that trusts him A guy that he looked up to They were obviously at United together for a long, long time. But it's it's just nice to see Ravel Morrison playing football and using the gifts he was born with. But big win for Coventry. I'm glad to see them through. Uh, A good friend of mine is from Coventry. And again, growing up, they were always... A Premier League team. Like they were a, a Division 1 team and then a Premier League team. You know, Highfield Road, big Ron Atkinson, then Gordon Strachan, players like Richard Shaw, Peter Undlove, Dion Dublin. Peter Undlove linked with Liverpool in perpetuity. Just every single transfer window, Peter Undlove was linked and he never signed. And uh, he's now a mentalist, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think he. No, that's Brian Roy. Brian Roy is the mentalist. I don't know what Peter Unlove is up to. Apologies to Peter Unlove. Uh Hartlepool 2, Blackpool 1. This is a big upset. Hartlepool from League 2, Blackpool from the Championship. Blackpool doing pretty well in the Championship as well. So this is a pretty big upset. And um, credit to Hartlepool. All, on they go. Crystal Palace 2, Millwall 1, Michael Elise and Mateta with the goal with the goals. Uh Fobi with the opener for Millwall after Jack Butland just decided to do something very, very strange. Um, Michael Elise, the star of the show there, especially in the second half. He was just incredible. Um, I haven't seen this game yet, but it sounds like it was mental. Barnsley four Barrow sorry, Barnsley five, Barrow four. Um this game was two two on eighty two minutes. It was four four by ninety minutes. Anderson put Barnsley one up. Then Jordan Williams made it two two to two nil, sorry. Then Oliver Banks scored for Barrow before Anthony Glennon equalised Anthony Glennon on loan there from uh from Burnley. And that looked like it might be it. it might be 2 2 extra time, but then it all went mental. Devontae Cole made it 3 2 to Barnsley. James Jones made it 2 2 on 86. Carlton Morris scored on 88 to make it 4 3 to Barnsley. Joshua K made it 4 4 on 90 into extra time, and Morris with the winner in 102 minutes. Mental. I really want to see that game. Uh, Boram Wood two AFC Wimbledon nil. Tyrone Marsh and Adrian Clifton with the goals. So that's the first non-league team through to the next round. They are joined by fellow non-league team, but from an even lower division, Kidderminster Harriers, who overcame Reading two-one. Went behind a Pushka's goal, but Alston and Morgan Smith scored to put Kidderminster through. If you remember on Friday, I did see, I did say, watch out for that one as a possible upset. We got our upset, and National League, National League North Kidderminster Harriers are through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. I think this is the first time in their history they've gotten this far in the competition. Huge, huge achievement for the club. Absolutely huge achievement for the club. Uh, Leicester four, Watford one. Uri Thielemans and James Madison put Leicester two up before Joe Pedro pulled one back for Watford. Harvey Barnes and Mark Albrighton ensure that there would be no issues for the holders, and on they go. Another big shock at St James's Park: Newcastle nil, Cambridge United one. So I wasn't watching this game. I was watching Kid and. When I saw the result, I thought Newcastle have played the kids. Eddie Howe has just thrown that one. Just doesn't want the distraction, wants to focus on the league. And then I saw their team. And it was close enough to their best 11, the best available 11. Magnificent stuff from Newcastle. But what a win for Cambridge. And what a moment for that club, those fans, and Joe Ironside, who got the winner. In front of 51,395 people at St. James's, And those Cambridge fans, from what I saw in the highlights, they made so much noise that it just seemed like they had the lion's share of the capacity. Uh, Peterborough 2, Bristol Rovers 1. Farewell, Joey Barton. Um, Brentford 4, Port Vale 1. Brian and Boma with a hat-trick after Mikel Forrest had opened the scoring. Uh, Key and and Harris with the only goal for Port Vale. Uh, Good to see Mbomo getting his goal scoring touch back. Queen's Park Rangers beat Rotherham on penalties after a 1-1 draw. Penalties went 8-7. It was 0-0 after full time. 1-1 after extra time. 8-7. Dykes, Johansson, Gray, Adoma, Amos, Barbett, Dunn and Dickey scoring for QPR, only Andre Dezel missing. For Rotherham, Smith, Ratbone, Koyade, O'Deffen, Lindsay, Bola, Iikwe scoring Ogboni and Harding missing for Rotherham. So QPR March John, they've had a they're having a good season. They really are having a good season. They're fifth in the championship. It's again, they, they're another club that you know, in the early days of the Premier League and the late days of the old Division One, they were always there. You know, and they had a tremendous attacking team Trevor Sinclair, Kevin Gallen, and of course, the star of the show was Les Ferdinand. Jerry Francis was the manager with his mullet. And I've always loved Loftus Road. Loftus Road is one of the best football stadiums in the UK. It's a lovely, tight little stadium. You wouldn't even know it was there if if you went by it quickly. It is a lovely, lovely stadium. It's it's just a proper old-school stadium. So, you know, QPR back in the Premier League wouldn't be something I'd be in any way against. Um, Brighton 2, West Brom 1 after extra time. Callum Robinson had put West Brom 1 up. But Jakob Motor on 81 and then Neil Mopay an extra time giving Brighton the win. Big win for Brighton. Gets them through. Keeps the good run of form going as well. Having not won for three months, they've now won three games out of their last four, which is a tidy turnaround. They could still desperately do with finding someone who can score more goals for them. But it's promising that they're at least winning games again. Uh, Wigan 2, Blackburn th- sorry, Wigan 3, Blackburn 2 um, Max Power best name in football Watmore, Jack Watmo, is that how you pronounce his name? And Asgard with the goals for Wigan, Kadra and Ayala um, Daniel Ayala formerly, formerly of Liverpool with the goals for Blackburn Plymouth 1, Birmingham City nil, so lower league upset there. Chelsea 5, Chesterfield 1. Timo Werner, Hudson-Odoi, Romelu Lukaku, Andreas Christensen and Hakim Ziyech with the goals for Chelsea. Uh, Asante with a consolation for Chesterfield. Chelsea march on. They were that was never going to be in doubt really was it. That was a a fairly straightforward one for them. Uh Everton 3, Hull 2. Everton went, uh, Hull went one up. Smith scored. This is mental because Everton tipped off and Smith scored within the first minute. So Everton managed to just gift that one. Uh, Damari Gray and Andre Gomes put them two one up. Longman equalized on 71 to send it to extra time. And an Andros Townsend winner on 99 sends the toffees through. Southampton Hampton three, Swansea two, also after extra time. Nathan Redmond. Had put Southampton one up. Perot equalised on 77 to uh, send it to extra time. A Bed and Rack owned goal looked like it had Southampton in trouble, but El and then Shane Long with his first goal in about 14 years uh, send Saints through. Bournemouth three, Yeovil one. Mercandes brought in in the summer from Brentford scores a hat trick. Quigley with a consolation for Yeovil. Bournemouth obviously having a good season under Scotty Two Coats, uh, top of the championship for now, and uh, and playing some good football, to be fair. Luton Town 4, Harrogate Town nil. Luton's another brilliant little ground there, Kenilworth Road, great little ground, and again, another team that in the last days of the old First Division, which is always a paying the backside to go and play. They had one of those um, plastic pitches, the artificial pitches, before they were outlawed and nobody enjoyed going and playing them. Absolutely nobody. bio Jerome, Cameron Jerome still knocking about and still scoring some goals. Ty uh, Naismith and Barry, Luke Barry, with the goals for the Hatters. Cardiff 2, Preston North End 1, uh, Davies put Cardiff one up, Johnson equalised with a very well taken penalty but Mark Harris with the winner in extra time this, no replays extra time and penalties thing, this has worked really well and brought a lot of drama I thought this weekend uh, Norwich won Charlton nil. Milot Rashica with the only goal of the game to send Norwich through Liverpool 4, Shrewsbury 1 um Dominic Udoi with the surprise goal for Shrewsbury on 27. Liverpool's defence all at sea. Conor is not a particularly good defensive player right back. His skills are more going forward and he's still very young and very lightweight. But caught a bit there for the goal. Kanate, not great positioning. Shrewsbury deserved to be one up. Liverpool playing quite a strong team. Kate Gordon, uh, 17 years of old, years of age. Scoring his first senior goal for Liverpool on 34. And then it was sort of inevitable what was going to happen. Fabinho scored on 44. A penalty to put Liverpool 2-1 up just before half-time. Bobby Firmino came off the bench. And he scored on 78 with a backheel. And then Fabinho on 93, wrapping things up. Uh, Stoke 2, late, Orient nil. Tom Ince with the first and Therese Campbell with the second to give them a comfortable win over uh, League Two, Leighton Orient. Tottenham three, Morecambe one. This was anything but comfortable for Spurs. Uh, They were 1-0 down on 33 through an Anthony O'Connor goal. And then it really was a slog for them to get back into this. But Harry Winks with what was absolutely a cross from a free kick Beats everybody, including the goalkeeper, puts the ball in the back of the net on 74 to make it 1-1. Lucas Moura on 85 just ran away. Morecambe were pushing on, trying to go for a second, trying to win the game. Huge credit to them for it, but they left themselves open. Lucas Moura ran away from them and made it 2-1. And then Harry Kane made it 3-1 on 88. Uh, West Ham United 2, Leeds United 0, Lanzini and Bowen with the goals, a shell of a Leeds team really, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers 3, Sheffield United 0, Daniel Pedence with 2, and a rare Nelson Semedo goal giving Wolves the win, again their good season continues, as does obviously West Ham's. I should have mentioned West Ham going strong now in 3 competitions and obviously did pretty well to get to the quarterfinals finals of the League Cup. Uh, And then another big shock to finish off the weekend. Nottingham Forest won. Arsenal nil. Lewis Graben with the only goal of the game. And it has to be said, Forest deserved to win this game. They absolutely deserved to win this game. They were the better team on the day. Arsenal played a pretty strong team. But they were just outplayed. They were outfought. Arteta has come out after the game. And he's questioned the heart and the fighting spirit of his team. Some of us have been telling you all along this team's a bit fugazi and not to be trusted. I think we saw why. Um, We do have one game tonight. It is Manchester United at home to Aston Villa. Crisis-riddled Manchester United at home to Aston Villa. Villa um, on a high after signing Phil Coutinho. Now look, favourites to sign Luca Dina as well. Uh, Luca Dina would be a very interesting signing. Not necessarily... The most obvious of signings for Villa. Now, personal terms still to be agreed and they're still a little bit apart on the fee. But Villa apparently are frontrunners to grab Lucadinha. They do need an upgrade at left-back. But Lucadinha and Tyron Mings doesn't scream clean sheets to me. And at 28, he'd be 29 in the summer. He's just a bit of an odd fit with their timeline. Like if you look at their key players, Maddie Cash, Ezri Konza, Douglas Louise, Ollie Watkins, Emmy Buendia. Like Dina's a couple of years older than at least a couple of years older than all of them. Now he isn't the same kind of age range as John McGinn. But I would have thought John McGinn would be one they'd be looking to sell in the summer when his value's high. And get a good profit on them, and then put that money back into the team. You see all these great young players coming through: Chuck, Chuck O'Meka, the two Ramsey boys, Louis Barry. You kind of would have thought, you know, you're targeting players 23 to 26. That's kind of the sweet spot, which is why, in part, I thought Sosa made sense. You also look at his physical makeup and the style of play would seem more suited to how Gerrard had his team playing at Rangers than what Luka Dina offers. But there's no doubting Luka Dina is a very good player. There's no doubting he's a big upgrade at left-back for Aston Villa. The bigger question mark then is the wages. How much does that blow their wage bill? Because they've got quite a tight wage structure there and they've been very, very careful with how they've added players Luca Dini will come in on substantially more than anyone else at that club. I would be surprised if there's anyone at Villa, other than maybe Danny Ings, currently earning over 80 grand a week. I would say Ings is probably at about 100k a week. And Luca Dini is probably going to want in the region of about 150. And that's an awful lot of money. But if they have the money to do it, away with them. Uh, they'll play United tonight and obviously United have so many different things coming out of the club the strife between the players the strife between the players and the new manager the uncertainty over the future of the manager, the replacement of the manager the uncertainty and sheer comedy of everything above that obviously Ed Woodward is leaving and it's jobs for the boys, an internal uh, appointment, one of Ed Woodward's um, merry men getting the big job there. It feels like we're in a very crucial point in time for Manchester United Football Club. It feels like The managerial decision that they've got coming up is absolutely massive and will define the next five years of the club. I've been over the stuff with the squad before, and I repeat, none of it fits together. None of it fits together. They've overpaid massively for very average players, routinely. They've taken big swings at star names, and only Bruno has worked. Pogba didn't work, Cristiano hasn't worked, Sancho hasn't worked. Sancho at least is very young and there's loads of time for him to find his feet, to find his form and to develop into the player that I think we all know he can be. You've got two great young homegrown attackers there in Greenwood and Rashford as well that are the future of the club. Another big swing that they took was Martial. That hasn't worked out. He currently wants to leave. They're going to lose a fortune on him. Bruno's the only one that's really worked. And the issue with Bruno is you can't really play him and Pogba or him and Donnie together without having to leave out somebody else who's more important than either Bruno or, or either either Pogba or Donny. Bruno doesn't work well with Cristiano Ronaldo. He just doesn't. It limits him massively. You can see the drop-off this season. It's the same drop-off you see when he plays for the national team versus how he was playing for Sporting and then United for a number of years. Bruno would be better off if Cristiano took his talent somewhere else. And if United could line up with a front four of, let's say, Bruno behind Greenwood, Sancho and Rashford either side. That's more exciting. That's something to build off. Problem is, you've got no midfield and your defence is a little bit all over the place. Luke Shaw has reverted to the Luke Shaw pre pandemic, the the one we saw for the first six years he was at United. Very inconsistent player, defensively suspect, seems to lack confidence. Harry Maguire is a good centre back, not a great centre back. He's not a particularly good leader. His captaincy of United is a farce. And he dictates you need to play a deep line, whereas Rafa Varane is not comfortable in a deep line. He is a high-line defender. On the other side, then, you've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Absolutely fine in a deep block. A 1v1 defender, a specialist at what he does. Woeful going forward. Woeful when asked to do anything with the ball. £50 million. And then you've got David De Gea, a goalkeeper who does not allow you to play a high line. A goalkeeper who mandates you play a deep block because he won't leave a six-yard box. So Varane doesn't fit with the rest of them. The rest of them aren't good enough really to play for a team that wants to win the Premier League title. There's no midfield. So therefore, there's nothing to join to the attack. And the attack are players that need to play on the front foot. Play On the front foot, you need to play a high line. Play a high line, you need to have defenders that can play a high line. The goalkeeper can play a high line. You can go round and round in circles and you're just going to end up coming back to the fact that Manchester United are in a bit of bother. They were awful against Wolves last week. I'm not expecting much tonight. I actually think Villa will win this game. The fourth round draw has been made. Uh, Leah Williamson and David James took part in the draw. And what we got was Crystal Palace at home to Hartlepool United. I think it's a great opportunity for Hartlepool playing a Premier League club. They'd obviously prefer if it was at their stadium. But, you know, a trip to Selhurst Park would be nice for them. Bournemouth against Boreham Wood. Boreham would have been hoping for a Premier League draw. But Bournemouth is the next best thing, top of the championship uh Huddersfield Town at home to Barnsley Peterbury United at home to Q, uh, Queen's Park Rangers Cambridge their payoff from beating Newcastle is a home game against Luton so that one should be interesting there's a, another ch- a chance there again for maybe Cambridge to reach the fifth round of the competition Southampton against Coventry City that is a proper throwback early 90s Premier League game. A relegation battle from about 93 to about 96. <laughs> that's right in that wheelhouse. Um, Chelsea at home to Plymouth-Argyle. Everton at home to Brentford. That one should be a good one. Minister, they got the great draw. They got West Ham at home. So, I think that's great. I think that's brilliant for them to have Big club like West Ham playing really well. Coming to their stadium to take on the Harriers. Uh, Agborough holds 6,500 people. So that one should be a bit of a cracker. That one should be a bit of a cracker. You'd expect West Ham to get through comfortably. But what an occasion for for Kidderminster Harriers. Uh, The winner of tonight's game between Aston Villa and Manchester United... Will host Middlesbrough. Uh, Tottenham will host Brighton and Hove Albion. Liverpool are home to Cardiff City. Stoke are home to Wigan. Nottingham Forest at home to Leicester. So that's a nice little Martin O'Neill derby for you there. Manchester City at home to Fulham. And Wolves at home to Norwich. So some decent games there. So that should be fun. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will have a look at the latest news, the latest transfers and the gossip, and then we're done. Speak to you soon. Right, welcome back. So, um, as you know, AFCON is ongoing, and as we speak, I think Senegal are playing Zimbabwe. Senegal have beaten Zimbabwe. A Sadio Mane penalty in the 97th minute to secure a victory for his team in their first match in Group B of the competition. Yesterday, we saw Cameroon beat Burkina Faso and Cape Verde beat Ethiopia. If you saw the Cameroon Burkina Faso game, Jesus Lord, wept. Did you see some of the tackles that took place? Steve Yago, in the very first minute, there was about 40 seconds gone, threw himself into a tackle. That was kind of half tackle, half attempted circumcision. He should have been sent off within a minute. He really should have been sent off within a minute. Um, Burkino Faso went one up. uh, Bertrand Traore, key to sort of everything they were doing going forward. And um, he was involved in their opener. Cameroon came back into it and got a penalty after Zambo Gisa was dragged down by one Burton Traore. Abubakar sent Herve Kofi the wrong way. And then Abubakar again, eight minutes later, just on the stroke of half time, with a second penalty to give Cameroon a 2-1 win. The second half there was some crazy moments. Andre Onana looked like he was just hell-bent on gifting Burkina Faso an equalizer while at the same time breaking their hearts with some really good saves. Um he is he's a bit mental. And uh, the opening ceremony was a triumph. It, it went really well. I thought the fireworks display after the game was great. But yeah, AFCON is going to be It's going to be very, very fun. I think it is going to be very, very fun. It's going to be mental. They have said that if you have 11 players available, you have to play. It doesn't matter if one of them is a recognised goalkeeper. You have to play. So um, that's potentially going to lead to some very funny situations. Um, We saw Burkino Faso yesterday having to play without... Edmond Topsapa, who's probably their best player. Uh, today, you see Senegal having to play without Kaladu Koulibaly. Um, so, you know, teams are already having to get by without some of their best players. And we'll wait and see how this develops. But yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I do. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, right. On to other things. The BBC have published their team of the year so far based on readers' ratings that they submit into match reports. And uh, Aaron Ramsdale they've picked as the goalkeeper. Okay. No, but okay. Tariq Lamptey is the right back, apparently. Tariq Lamptey. Now, I like Tariq Lamptey. I think he's a very good young player. He's played about half the season. In no way should he be the right back. Shane Duffy is one of the centre-backs. Brighton players, or Brighton fans rather, rigging the results. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, okay. Not his best season, but he's still the best defender in the league. And he's, he's had a pretty good year so far. But Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson has not had a good Liverpool season. Costa Simicus has been better than him. Andy Robertson has been flat out bad for most of the season. If it wasn't for the fact that Jordan Henderson has been so obnoxiously poor, Andy Robertson would probably have been Liverpool's worst player this year. Uh, Conor Gallagher, Declan Rice and Angolo Kante in midfield. Not sure how I feel about some of that. Uh, no Manchester City players at all, by the way. Uh, Salah, Antonio, and Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz isn't having a good season. No Bernardo Silva. No Emmanuel Dennis. No João Cancel. No Trent Alexander-Arnold. This is madness. No Rodri. What absolute nonsense. So, Arsenal's top three rated players this season. Ramsdale, Smith-Rowe and Tommy Asu. Villas, John McGinn, Emi Martinez and Ollie Watkins. Brentford, Ivan Toney, David Rea, Brian and Bomo. Brighton, Shane Duffy, Tariq Lamptey, Yves Basima. Burnley, Max Cornet, Nick Pope, Ben Mee. Chelsea, Kai Havertz, Engolo Kante, Mateo Kovacic. How is Mendy not one of their top three most highly rated players this season? Like, what are their fans doing? Um, Crystal Palace, Conor Gallagher, Edson Edward, Altson Edward, and Michael Olise, who's barely started a game this season. For Everton, it's Damari Gray, De Kure, and Andres Townsend. For Leeds, it's Rafinha. Calvin Phillips and Ilan Messi- Mellier. I doubt anyone else has gotten more than a four. Yuri Keelman's Jamie Vardy and Kieran and Dewsbury Hall for Leicester. Salah, Van Dyke, and Robertson. I'm I i just I'm blown away by Andy Robertson. I really am. Uh, Man City fans need to have a word of themselves. Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden and Rodri. None of them have an average rating over seven. 6.89 is the highest Manchester City rated player this season. Bernardo Silva. Manchester United, David De Gea, Rafa Varane and Cristiano Ronaldo. but none of them none of them even six out of ten. Uh on by the ratings. De Gea the highest on five point nine five. Cristiano third on five point four, which will tell you how low the rest have been rated. Like Newcastle are, are awful, and yet Alan St. Maximum six point two eight. Uh Callum Robinson and Joe Willock make up their three. Billy Gilmore, highest rated for Norwich. I'd imagine Chelsea fans have been hijacking that. Um, Lucas Rupp and Grant Hanley, like Jesus wept. Che Adams, Tino Livermento and Armando Broya from, um, Southampton. Youngman's son, Lucas Mora and Hugo Lloris for Spurs. Ishmael Assar, Emmanuel, how's Emmanuel then at 6.2? Jesus. And Josh King, uh, for Watford. Nobody overrates their own players like West Ham fans. Declan Rice, Mikel Antonio, and Jared Bowen, all over 7.1, allegedly. Like, no other team, no other team has three players over seven. Chelsea have two. And Kante is barely over seven. 7.04. And yet West Ham have three, 7.1 being the lowest. And there may even be a fourth over seven. It's just not listed. Uh, Ruben Neves, Wang Hee Chan and Raul Jimenez. And just to circle back, once again, undeniable proof that Thomas Suchek is the most underrated player in the league. And that West Ham fans don't know what they have in Pablo Fernald's. Um. So that's that. So yeah, some nonsense there. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Federico Chiesa suffered a torn ACL in Juventus's four-three win over Roma last night. Roma were three-one up. Juve scored three in seven minutes to seal the victory. Uh, Mikel Arteta has come out and apologised to fans and questioned the desire of his players after their loss to Forest. Paris Saint-Germain battled back for a point against Leon. I would say Leon threw the game away, to be a bit more accurate. Um, yeah, Edward Mendy and Koulibaly both missed a Senegal game with COVID. Burn, Burnley's game, or sorry, Barnsley's game with Stoke has been called off on Wednesday night, if you are a Championship watcher. Uh, what else do we have? Oh yes, t- tomorrow night's game between Leicester and and Everton has been called off. Uh Leicester apparently could field a fairly strong squad for the League Cup for the FA Cup at the weekend. And if you look at the team, it was a fairly strong team. Um but unable to field a team against Everton. So the team that started here, now admittedly, Hansa of at right back is isn't great. But Albrighton, Chowdhury, Vestegard, Daly Campbell, Thielemans and Brunt. Perez, Madison, Barnes and Luckman, Casper uh, Schmeichel on the bench, to be fair, to be fair, there's a lot of kids, that, that's all kids, it's Casper Schmeichel and a bunch of kids, and when you look at that defence, fair enough, but that's a lot of injuries, that's not a whole lot of COVID, that's a lot of injuries, um, and Will Fendidi obviously and a few lads been away, Ian Acho been away at the um, the AFCON, but you know, Vardy out, Evans is injured, Sionchu is injured, Fafan is injured. Justin is injured. Casting it might be COVID, but I think it is mostly injuries that is uh, affecting Leicester. Um, We do have one other Premier League game, I think, on tomorrow night. Yes, we have Southampton against Brentford. That one is tomorrow night. So that should be an interesting game. Where do we stand injury-wise for that one? I would imagine... There's more than a few. So Brentford currently with nine players marked. Josh de Silva out. Rico Henry a doubt. Sergio Canos back. Matthias Janssen back. Frank Onyeka is at AFCON. David Rea is injured. um Charlie Good, Zanka and Julian Genvere all ruled out. So, a lot of injuries at centre-back. They've been having that problem for the last little while, Brentford. Southampton. Again, nine players tagged for them. Uh, Alex McCarthy out. Kyle Walker-Peters has COVID. Che Adams has COVID, but they ho- had COVID, but they hope to have him back. Jan-Valerie and Salisu. No, Jan-Valerie is suspended. Salisu is back. Uh, Gineco is at AFCON. Thierry Small has COVID. And Tino Livermento has a knee injury that they're just not taking any chances with. Um, that should be a decent enough game, to be fair. Bradford travelling to the south coast to take on the Saints. I won't be here tomorrow, so I'm going to predict a draw on that one. I'm going, to, I'm going to go for a score draw. 1-1, 2-2, something along those lines. Um, yeah, and then we get West Ham-Norwich on Wednesday. Should be a fairly straightforward one for West Ham before we roll back into a full range of games at the weekend. Uh, We might as well just finish up with the gossip and be done for the day. Uh, Three days worth to get through, so let's go through. Manchester United are chasing the signing of Sergei Malinkovic-Savic. Uh, they've been chasing the signing of him for about five years now. And I don't think it's likely to be true because he just doesn't really fit into how... Ralph Rangnick wants them to play and we don't know who the next manager is so there's no point in them buying players for that so you know uh United have offered Paul Pogba a 500,000 pounds a week contract to remain at Old Trafford Pogba though has denied being offered a new deal so that's fine uh the red devils have ended their interest in signing Erling Haaland I I yeah I don't think they were going to be signing him anyway. Liverpool are prepared to offer Barcelona and Spain midfielder Gavi around 80000 a week to land his signature. He's a £42 million buyout. Liverpool and Manchester City both credited with strong interest. Everton have been offered Alexis Sanchez on a free transfer. Say no. For the love of God, say no. Aston Villa are interested in Brighton's Mali midfielder Yves Basuma. Don't think he'll be on the move this month. I wonder if they could get him in the summer. West Ham will reject any Newcastle offer for France defender Issa Diop. Newcastle have increased their bid for Sven Botman. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has revealed he is eager to sign a central defender on loan at Leicester. Hmm. You get Fafana back, so, well, the Evans injury. The Vestergaard thing has just been such a mess. He should just come out and say, I made a mistake. Uh, Liverpool have turned in a £7 million bid from Watford for Nat Phillips. The Reds are not prepared to let Divock Origi leave in a cut-price deal. Yeah, they want a decent fee from him in January. Sevilla are not prepared to let Diego Carlos leave for Newcastle for anything less than a substantial fee. Makes sense. They'll want to replace him. AC Milan midfielder Frank Kessie is in talks over move to Real Madrid. I doubt it. Uh, Arsenal and England midfielder Ainsley Maitland-Niles has gone to Rome. He played last night. Uh, Mikel Arteta has ruled out signing Jack Wiltshire, who is currently training at the club and doing his coaching badges. Jack Wiltshire 30. He needs to play football. Someone in the MLS should offer him a contract. He would do well there. I believe he would do well there. Some, and he's got... You know, probably a couple of decent years left in him if he's managed properly. Um, Chelsea are exploring options to cover the left side of the fence in Ben Bel- Chilwell's absence, as well as taking as well as well talking to Leon over a return for Emerson Palmieri, who is on loan at the French club. Yeah, it just makes sense to bring him back rather than spending money that you don't need to spend, to be quite honest. And as a wing-back, Palmieri's fine. Um... Former Newcastle manager uh, owner Mike Ashley is considering a takeover bid for Derby County. I'm torn on that. On the one hand, I, I want to see Derby saved. On the other hand, Mike Ashley's an abomination and shouldn't be allowed near another football club. Barcelona are the latest club to monitor uh, Antonio Rudiger's situation. Uh, he is going to fleece somebody for a whole bunch of money. Mikel Arteta has urged his Arsenal bosses to get spending in January as the Gunners chase... San Vlavic. Apparently, Arsenal are in the, the driver's seat for that one, but the player is not keen. So, you know, it might be a waste of time. Um, Lionel Messi could force a Paris Saint Germain exit after just one season if the club fails to win the Champions League, according to former Barcelona and Spain international Lubo Carrasca. Now, I'm not sure how he would know. Uh, is he close to Messi? I I doubt it. I mean he's tagged as former Barcelona player, but nineteen eighty nine he made his last appearance at Paris. I don't know if he's had involvement in the club in recent years, but he was managing in the mid two thousands, so unless he went back to work in the academy or something, I don't know. Uh Mickelar oh yes I've done that one. Right. Cristiano Ronaldo's agent, George Mendes has flown to England for a crisis meeting with the Manchester United forward as he considers his future. I mean, you know, if you, when, when tantrums don't work, you've, you've got to get the agent involved. Uh, Erling Haaland believes Manchester City will try to sign him in the summer transfer window after Manchester United pulled out of the race. United were never in the race. Manchester United and Portugal midfielder Bruno Fernandes will become Barcelona's top target in the summer if they fail to sign Haaland. I can't think of a less Barcelona-type player than Bruno, being honest. Uh, Alvaro Morata is set to cut his loan at Juventus short to join Barcelona, but Max Allegri is refusing to let him go before he signs a replacement. So Icardi has been linked with Juve. Icardi would be an upgrade for Juve over, over Morata and just let him go. Uh, Lazio were interested in Kepa, but his 170,000 wages are a stumbling block. I'd imagine they want him on loan. I'd imagine they want him on loan. I wouldn't imagine they wouldn't buy him. Uh, Marseille defender Bubakar Camara wants 150,000 a week. I uh, No, he doesn't. That's an out-and-out lie is what that is. Um, Barcelona will target Adama Traore if Usman Dembele decides against renewing. Uh, Adam obviously came through the Barcelona Academy before leaving for Aston Villa many years ago. Atletico Madrid are interested in a deal for Cedric Soares. No, they're not. No, no, they're not. Let's not make things up. Um, Fiorentina and Serbia's Dusan Vlavic is prepared to wait until the summer to resolve his contract and will not be rushed into a January move. Arsenal are chasing the Serb, but Aston Villa Ford, Ollie Watkins may be better suited to the Gunners' attack. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. Uh, Dusan Vlahovic would be much better suited. Um, If you want to push an English striker there, Calvert-Lewin or even Ivan Toney would be better suited to Arsenal's way of playing than Ollie Watkins. And I like Ollie Watkins. He's a very good player, but he's not really suited to what Arsenal are doing at the minute. Uh, Manchester United, and Ivory Coast defender, Eric Boye is a possible target for AC Milan, as they look to find a replacement for Simon Kerr, United can't really afford to let any centre-backs go. None of them are any good, other than Varane, but they're all injury-prone. All of them, including Varane. Uh, Birmingham City are closing in on a loan deal for Ahmad Diallo. That's a terrible idea. Um, Not Birmingham, nothing to do with them, but the Championship is not the place for Ahmad Diallo. Send him on loan to the Bundesliga and you will get back a better player in six months. Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, and West Ham are all interested in signing Senegalese Ford Bamba Diang from Marseille. Uh, Villa are interested in Yves Basuma, but Graham Potter says the Magpies will not, or the Seagulls, rather, are not selling. Barcelona Vice President Rafa Just says more players need to be sold before Ferrantares can be registered. And that's after Coutinho left. It's magnificent. Barcelona will meet with their United States fullback, Serginho Dest, as Chelsea seek to sign the 21 year old as cover. Um, I, I, don't, I don't understand how they will meet with him. He's there every day. Just call him into a room. Tottenham's 54 million rec- record signing, Tanguy Endembele, is hopeful of a move away from Spurs this month. After his performance yesterday, it's not surprising. The spoofer with the catchphrase says Stephen Bergwijn is on his way. He is, the one thing I will say for the spoofer is he has managed to kiss the backside of Fabio Paratici often enough that he does get bits and pieces from Paratici. So it's also why, if you remember a few months back, uh, there was a profile on Paratici written by the Guardian that Romano's name was put on. He didn't write the thing, but his name was put on it. And um, that was just more of the backside kissing to Curry favour. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain forward Kylian Mbappe could turn down a move to Real Madrid. He could, but he won't. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen and Czech forward Patrick Schick says he's happy at the German club, despite talk of a transfer in January. He's having a really good season. Aston Villa are in advance negotiations to sign Luca I mentioned that earlier. Uh, Newcastle have approached Burnley for Chris Wood okay Newcastle have added Orby Salzburg's Noah Okafor to the list of potential sites this is literally them literally just throwing shit up against the wall and I know I don't curse but sometimes curse sometimes cursing is needed and this is throwing shit against the wall so we're going to leave that in there that's what they're doing. There's no plan at Newcastle at all. Like, you're not approaching Burnley for Chris Wood and then looking at Noah Okafor as well. Like, that's nonsense. You've no idea what you want to buy. You're just looking at lists of strikers and hoping for the best, hoping one of them will become available to you. Um, Bruno Fernandez has denied reports of a January move to Barcelona, comparing it to an April Fool's Day joke. It's just They can't register Ferrand Torres. They can't sign anybody else. Uh, former Republic of Ireland and Newcastle goalkeeper, Shay Given, has advised Queeving Kelleher to leave Liverpool this month so he can get more game time. I do agree he does need to leave, just not this month. He can go in the summer on loan. Uh, Jean-Philippe Matete is close to leaving Crystal Palace this month. He's just started playing for them. He scored two goals recently. Leave the boy alone. Uh, he is on loan from Mines. Um, but they have an option to buy him in the summer. I don't think they'll take up the option, but you might as well keep him to the summer. Um, I don't believe that. That's. I hope that's not true. Uh, he's he's starting to play and fit in. It, it's good. Leave him alone. Uh, Saeed Kalasnik has held talks at Marseille over a free transfer, and so Marseille loved to buy Arsenal castoffs. Love it. Uh, Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel has suggested Ross Barkley could be allowed to leave on loan. Let him leave permanently. Just let him go. Newcastle are interested in signing Ibrahim Sanger from PSV Eindhoven. Newcastle have also held talks with Monaco over Benoit Badaschili. He's really good. Um, West Ham also very keen on him. West Ham allegedly have narrowed it down to him or uh, Abdou Diallo of Paris Saint-Germain to bring in a left-footed centre-back. To give them the balance they're lacking since uh, Angelo Obana got hurt, I think Diallo is the uh, is the one to go and get there. If you just consider age profile, he is a better fit. Um, at twenty five years of age, he'd be twenty six in May. You put him next to Kurt Zuma, who is twenty seven. That's a really nice long term partnership. Then you've got Issa Diop as your third centre back to bring in when one of the others is out. You've got Dawson and Ogbonna when he gets back as your two experienced guys for spot starts here and there. That would be a strong centre-back group. I think Diallo would jump at that move, and I think he's the better of the two defenders right now. badis has much more talent. His ceiling is sky-high, but he's 20. He's really raw. He's not even a regular starter yet in the French League. So let's pump the brakes on him a little bit. Diallo would be cheaper as well. And he brings natural leadership. The boy is a natural leader. I think he's the perfect successor to Ogbana. You've already got as well your goalkeeper of the future there. Now you haven't played him nearly enough this season. But West Ham are in a good position to build a nice little French core there at the back. Ariola is the goalkeeper. Zuma, Diallo. Now I know Diallo is is you know. Playing for the Senegalese national team, but he is uh, he is French. He was born in France, raised in France, played for the French teams up to under twenty one level. Um, he made the decision to go and play for Senegal to play international football, and he's and he's a really good player. But yeah, get him. Keep Ariola. Keep Diop. Keep Zuma. Build from there. Find a left back. You've got good right back options now. Cresswell is a fine backup left back. You've got your quality midfield pairing. You make the Alex Crowe deal permanent. Get one more in for a bit of depth. Get a bit of depth and a long-term plan up front after Antonio. You've got your three behind. You're not far off having something really good there. You're already a good team. You could be really good with a couple of, a couple of clever little moves. Um Manchester City midfielder Tommy Doyle has ended his loan spell with Hamburg. And is set for the short-term switch away this month. So he barely played, I believe, on loan for Hamburg. Uh, very talented young player. Very, very highly regarded by those that said he played seven games. Only 150 minutes. Seven, Six league matches totaling 71 minutes. One cup match for 79 minutes. Yeah, He's barely played. Um, I don't know how the two Bundesliga is going this year because I I genuinely just couldn't be bothered looking at it because Werder Bremen have just disgusted me so much. Uh, My Bremen team sits seventh. Hamburg are third. They're in the mix for promotion, but Schalke fourth. Fortuna Dusseldorf in fifth. Hanover, 96. Sorry, Fortuna Dusseldorf at 13th. Hanover 96 are in 15. Hanover, Dusseldorf, Werder, Schachtar, and Hamburg are all top flight teams. They're all huge clubs. And there they all are hanging out in the second division. St. Pauli are top. Everybody should love that club. Um, Finally, Manchester United have not received an offer for Paul Pogba. Of course they haven't received an offer. Why would anyone give the money for a player who's been a flop for years now when he's had a contract in the summer and can be had for nothing? Because he's going to want stupid wages regardless of who he joins. So why would you give them to him as well as pay a fee? Very, very silly. Um, Right, that will do. I think that will do us for today. I'm not here tomorrow. Uh, I have some stuff I need to take care of tomorrow. So I'm back Wednesday and then normal service resumes. Hopefully, hopefully nothing else comes up. But yeah, we should be good to go from Wednesday and you know roll through the, the rest of the season like we did last year. But um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Hope you had a good weekend. Enjoy the United Villa game tonight. Enjoy that Southampton-Brentford game tomorrow night. should be a good one. Um, and we'll see you Wednesday. Bye-bye. Network.